in writing to the ancient church in Corinth at the end of, uh, of chapter 13, Paul, Paul said some words that are very familiar to most of us. Now, we, we're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. You hear it read uh, a lot of times at weddings. Uh, it's a very, very famous and familiar chapter. It's the great love chapter. And the very last verse in 1 Corinthians 13, here's what Paul says. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, we talk a lot about faith, as we should. You hear a lot of sermons about faith. And we talk a lot about love, both inside and outside the church. And some of our most famous and familiar verses deal with love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And we read that, that very familiar passage of Scripture, John 1334 where Jesus says a new commandment I give you that you ought to love one another but the word between those two big words faith and love is the word hope and we don't talk as much about hope I think sometimes hope is a misunderstood word and yet what I want to say today is hope is a very important word and it's a very powerful word, as we will see in today's message. Now, we use the word hope a lot in everyday conversation. We say, I hope you get to feeling better. I hope the Vols win this weekend. I hope I get an A on the test on Monday morning. I, I hope I get a raise. I hope this sermon isn't too long. Hope is such a small word. We use it over and over again in kind of an offhanded, even casual way. And yet, it's not an overstatement to say we can't live very long without hope. Sometimes people will say, well, she's lost all hope, or they've lost all hope. And when we hear that phrase, we know that it suggests defeat. We know that it suggests resignation. But we often use the word in the exact opposite way that it's used in the Bible. Have you noticed this? We say, I hope I get an A on the test, when we haven't studied, we haven't prepared, we really don't think we're going to do very well, but we hope we do okay. Or we say, I hope it doesn't rain today, and we look outside and we see the dark clouds rolling in, and we know it's probably going to rain. We've heard the weather forecast, but we hope it doesn't. When we use the word in that way, we're using it like it's wishful thinking. But the biblical word hope is much more confident and much more powerful. And then there are those who confuse hope with, with a feeling of optimism. Now, I'm, I'm all for being optimistic. I like being optimistic much more than being pessimistic. I consider myself an optimist. But hope is more than a, a feeling of optimism. Here's how I would define hope. Hope is a vision of a bright future that provides power in the present. When we have hope, we know that something good is just around the corner. It creates a spring in our step. We become contagious. We have a sense of optimism and enthusiasm. But hope isn't just something that's kind of vague or abstract. Hope, as we'll see, is incredibly practical. Hope is a vision of a bright future that provides power for the present. 
So if I say, I sure hope I get an A, that's, that's the vision. The vision for the future is that I'm going to receive this A from a test. If that's what I say, then, then because I have hope, it's going to motivate me or move me to study well and to prepare so I can, in fact, get an A for the test. If I say, I hope I get a raise, well, then what that means is I'm going to work hard so that I can, I can get that raise. If I say, I hope I have a better marriage, what that means is I'm going to probably sign up for grace marriage and I'm going to invest in my marriage. If I say, I hope the sermon won't be too long, well, there's really nothing you can do about that, so don't, so don't worry about that. But for the most part, hope is this vision for the future that creates movement for me right now. It's powerful in the present. And you see the word used like that all over the New Testament, all over the Bible, really. Hope is used some 200 times in your Bibles. And so, for instance, hope, hope promotes what I would say integrity. It moves me to live the kind of life that Jesus wants me to live. Now, our scripture reading just a few moments ago was found in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And there, there John paints this beautiful picture. He says that one day we're going to see Jesus. Can you imagine that? One day the skies are going to open and there's Jesus. We're going to see him. And because we have this vision, because we believe that, well, it impacts us, according to John, it impacts us in the here and now. Well, how does it impact us? John says because we anticipate one day looking into the eyes of Jesus, because we look forward to that moment, we give Jesus a hug, we'll be in his very presence. He says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Because I have this expectation, and that's what hope is, it's a, it's a confident expectation. Because I have this confident expectation that one day I'm going to see the Lord, it's going to impact how I live right now. It's going to create in me a desire to live a life of integrity. I want to live, in short, like Jesus. But hope does something else. Hope gives me strength. Listen to this familiar verse in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. They're well-known verses. The prophet says, He gives strength to the weary and increases power, the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But notice, notice this. But those who hope in the Lord, what will happen to them? They will renew their strength. They will soar in wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is a beautiful promise from God. It says, those of us who look to God, those of us who hope in Him, have this confident expectation that, that God's going to act in our lives, what does that mean for us? It means, oh, we're going to get tired, but we're not going to get so tired we can't walk. And, and it says, oh, we're going we're to soar like wings of evil uh, of eagles hope you see gives us strength but there's something else that biblical hope does hope you see produces joy look in your bibles it's a small verse in romans chapter 12 in verse 12 where paul writes be joyful in hope and then he goes on to say patient in affliction joyful in hope certainly there's going to be a lot of joy in heaven i mean that's going to be a, a wonderful moment isn't it 
When we meet Jesus and we receive that new resurrected, glorified body and we're living in the new heaven and new earth, there's going to be incredible joy there. But because we have that hope, it creates joy in us even now. Not only joy now, but but joy even when we're afflicted. Joy even when things aren't going exactly as we wish for them to go because, you see, we have that hope. There's one more thing that that hope does, and we could go on and on with these, but I just wanted to mention three or four, and that is hope helps me to endure. Paul was writing to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, and he encourages them. He says, I've heard all about your work that's, that's produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. And then he talks about hope, and here's what he says. He spoke of their endurance inspired by hope, in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it that has the power to keep me going, to endure, even when things are difficult and hard? Paul says it's hope. There's, so there's a school system in a large city, and, and there's a hospital down the road in this city, and a lot of kids would be at the hospital, and so the the school system decided they would do something kind of unique and interesting that they would uh, they would provide some teachers that would kind of coach the students and help the students while they were in in this hospital help the children while they were in the hospital and so there was this um, uh, one student and and he was in the hospital uh, and and a teacher who was involved in this program went to that student's teacher to find out what they'd been studying and they'd been studying adverbs and and nouns and verbs and a lot of English and, and so the next day, the teacher involved in this program went to see this, this student who was in the hospital. And what they didn't tell uh, this program teacher was that this student was very critical. This student had been severely burned over, over most of his body, and so he was in a very difficult spot. So this program teacher went in and, and saw the child and was quite stunned, frankly, uh, and she did her best to teach, and she said, you know, today I want to talk to you about adverbs and nouns and, and, and verbs. We're going to do a little English. And she did her best to teach, but she really didn't feel like she made a lot of progress. She didn't feel like she got anything done. And so she came back the next day, and the next day a nurse met her before she went in to teach the student. And the nurse said, what did you say yesterday? What did you do? And she was taken aback. She thought, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do any harm. I didn't, I didn't mean to do you know, anything that I wasn't supposed to do. And the nurse said, oh, no, 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 you misunderstand. The nurse said, we were really worried about him. But his whole, de- his whole demeanor and attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's as though he's decided to live. And she kept going in to teach the student. And two weeks later, when the student was getting a lot better, he described to his teacher what had happened. He expressed it this way. He said, you know, they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? Hope, you see, hope, it gives us the power to endure. That that boy regained a sense of hope And as a result of that, he was able to fully recover. 
So the question I guess I raised this morning is how can we have this hope? How can we have an overflowing hope? Because let's face it, from time to time we get discouraged. Sometimes life is hard and difficult and we feel like, like giving up, like, not, like we're not able to keep going. Well, I want to encourage you with, with one verse, and the verse is actually a prayer. And it's the scripture reading we read just a few moments ago. It's, it's Paul's prayer as he comes to the very end of the book of Romans. One verse, but it's, it's a prayer. This week in preparation for this sermon, I, I kept reading this, this prayer over and over again. It's, a, it's one of those verses that if you underline in your Bible, you should underline, or on your electronic device, you should note it, because it's, it's really a, a powerful prayer. And so it's Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Here's what Paul says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right at the very outset of this this prayer that Paul prays for the Romans, he describes God in a certain way. He calls God this God of hope. You see, hope describes God's essence, God's nature, his character. We serve a God of hope. And so I want to see that this, I want us to see that this God of hope, this this God whose essence is hope, is both the supplier and the source of our hope. And it's here, I think, that we discover something kind of interesting. You see, our earthly hope, Our hope down here is based on probabilities. I think I have a really good shot at the promotion. And so because I I think I have a good shot at the promotion, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to do my dead level best, but somebody else might get the promotion. Or if I put this amount of money in my 401k and it grows at this interest rate, I have a great chance of having this amount of money when I retire. But, but again, all that is based on probabilities. But our hope in God is different. Our hope in God is not based on probabilities. Our hope in God is based on His promises. It's based on His Word. You see, What I want you to know is that whatever God says, God will do. These things will happen. And so one of the promises we have from God is that His Son one day will return. You can take that to the bank. It's going to happen. One of the promises I know that if we're in Christ, there's no condemnation. And we can live in, in that freedom with a sense of joy and anticipation. You can take that to the bank. You, you see, one of these days, Jesus is going to come back and everything will be made right, fully reconciled, will be fully redeemed, experienced a resurrection body. And because that is a promise from God, it's not just a probability. Friends, it will happen. But there's even more in this prayer that Paul teaches us. He says, may the God of hope, and I like this next phrase, fill you. God is going to fill us, Paul is asking, God to fill us with two things. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. Now, we talked earlier in a message series about 
about joy, and we've already seen in this message that joy is closely linked to hope. This, read, this week I, I read what I think is a pretty good definition of joy. Joy is an inward satisfaction of, of the soul. Isn't that good? Joy is an inward satisfaction of the soul. This satisfaction wells up in delight in, in knowing that, that I, I am God's son or you are God's daughter. But not only does God give us joy, he fills us. This God of hope fills us with joy. But notice what he also says. He, he fills us with peace. If joy is the satisfaction of the soul, I would say that peace is the settledness of the soul. Peace is rest and contentment and, and ease that comes to the soul. Charles Spurgeon said some interesting things about the interplay of, of joy and peace from this verse. He says, peace is resting joy and joy is dancing peace. Isn't that good? Peace is resting joy, and joy is dancing peace. Joy and peace, they, they fit together. And I like what the noted theologian Forrest Gump said. They fit together like peas and carrots. I mean, they just go right, right together. So how do we experience all this? Well, Paul tells us. It comes, according to this verse, as we trust him. We trust what God says to us. We trust him by faith. We begin a relationship with Him as we place our trust in Him, and then every day we're going to trust Him. We get up in the morning, we're going to trust that He has a plan for us. We're going to trust that His will and way is always best. And as we do, it says we overflow with hope, there's our word again, through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we trust Jesus by faith, we're filled with joy and peace and we overflow with hope. I love how this prayer is bookended by the ideas of hope. May the God of hope, Paul prays, in the very end, abound to you in hope. So a few moments ago, I said that, that hope is not based on probabilities, but hope, biblical hope, the kind of hope we're talking about in this message is based on promises. So as we draw this, conclusion, this message to a conclusion, I want to do two things that maybe will help us apply today's message. First, let's think about, about those misplaced hopes. Let's identify those, those things that we put our hope in that we find ultimately will not satisfy and ultimately will let us down. You see, your hope, your ultimate hope right now might be in your career or your hope may be in a dream or in a person, or a desire. And what you're saying, in essence, is I, I've, I've looked to this for ultimate satisfaction. I've, I've looked to this for ultimate fulfillment, ultimate hope. And yet, I've come to realize they're less than. They can't ultimately deliver. What are, what are your misplaced hopes? And then, then second, finally, instead of looking to misplaced hopes, I want, to, I want you to look to Jesus and to his promises. You see, those promises found all through Scripture, if you'll put those promises into your heart, it's then that you begin to overflow with this sense 
of hope. So let God's promises wash over you. And so, for instance, you read the promise we alluded to earlier in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Maybe right now you're feeling just a little bit judged, or maybe this morning you come into this place and you don't have a sense of security in your own sense of salvation you read romans chapter 8 and verse 1 where paul says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus if you are in christ though the evil one wants to condemn you the lord does not there's no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus let that promise sink deeply into your heart right now you might be walking through a valley maybe you're walking in a dark place and you're wondering where is god in this It might be time for you to trust that promise found in that very familiar psalm, Psalm 23, where David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through this place, it's not death so much, it's the valley of the shadow of death. I feel death's shadow on me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they give me comfort. Maybe you come into this place and you feel defeated. And because of that defeat, you can't walk in hope. Perhaps you need to be reminded once again of the promise found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 where, where Paul says that if you are in Christ... You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Maybe you say today, well, I feel dirty, I feel full of shame. Remember, you're a new creation, brand new. You've been washed, you've been set free, you've been redeemed. Even in the midst of our often misplaced hopes, we have a God who forgives and heals and restores and redeems. Listen to Paul's prayer once more. Listen listen very carefully. Let his prayer become your prayer. This, this week, as I was just reading this prayer, I thought, I want, I want to adopt this. Because this is such a, a great prayer. Paul says, may the God of hope. That's who God is. He's a God full of hope. And that's what he offers you this morning. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. I want that, that don't you? I, I want that, that settledness of the soul i want that sense of of joy that we talked about a moment ago and that's what god desires to give to you may the god of peace fill you with all joy and peace as you what as you trust in him this morning have you trusted in jesus Uh, not yourself have you put your hope in something lesser no he says you trust in him and then notice what he says so that you may overflow with hope This confident sense that something good is around the corner. Because if you're in Christ, I can tell you that is true. And that's not just optimism. That's not just positive thinking. That is the truth. Because regardless of what happens to us on this earth, one day there's coming a time when Jesus will make everything right that should fill us with this sense of optimism. You may overflow with hope. How? In our own strength? No. By the power of the Holy Spirit. As God's people, we are men and women who overflow with hope. Because, you see, we trust, not in ourselves, not in horses and chariots, as the old song says.
No, we trust in the promises of God. So my question.